You can support Geek Therapy and gain access to exclusive content by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash geektherapy. Welcome to GT Radio on the Geek Therapy Network. Here at Geek Therapy, we believe that the best way to understand each other and ourselves is through the media we care about. My name is Oswald Cardona, and I'm joined by Lara Taylor. Hey! And Lauren Keller. Yo! So today, uh, we're going to start this thing where I said that we're going to take turns. So today it's my turn. I'm going to kind of set it up. I don't, I don't think, you know, listeners necessarily need to know <laughs> that, that we're doing this, but I think uh, for tra- for transparency and accountability, next week it's Lara's turn <laughs> to, to, to kick off the conversation. And so since it's my turn this week, uh, I wanted to bring up the idea of asking for help. And this is inspired by an episode of This Is Us. It's the, as of this recording, not the latest episode. It's like two episodes back. It's called A Hell of a Week, Part One. I've brought up uh, This Is Us a lot in the past. I love the show. I love the way that it addresses mental health issues. I love the way that it, I don't know, just does everything. Every episode makes me cry, pretty much. Um, It's really good. And... One of the great things about it is that it it shows people at different stages of their life. So there's an epi- there's a there's a character in this episode, uh, the character of Randall, and throughout the show he's he deals with anxiety. He's had panic attacks, and um, he's very he's always like super worried about school. Um, he has he has different. Uh, fears and different you know at different stages in his life it's been overwhelming for him and he's always been reluctant to get help and in this episode in particular he the the episode is called a A hell of a week and he has a hell of a week (laughs) a lot of things happen and um it's it's apparent why he would be so overwhelmed but what was really cool is that there's there's a scene where a a man comes up to him and tells him Hey, like you seemed a little out of it. Uh, I heard about the stuff that happened to you. Like, I just want you to know that I've been to therapy and it helped me a lot. Uh, for for context, uh, Randall is a black man, and the the man who comes to speak to him is also a black man. And he tells him, like, you know, I know that for 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 us, it's hard to ask for help. It's hard to admit that something's going on. But I want you to know that it's it was really helpful for me. And Randall just brushes it off. He's like, no, 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 I don't uh, like, that's not my thing. That's not something that I would, that I would do. And, and we see that at different parts of his life, he always, he's always reluctant to, to get help. doesn't matter. Like it has to get really, really bad for him to even get to the point where he contacts his brother. His brother is his go-to person. Um, but again, he has to be like at the point of he's losing control. He's in the middle of a panic attack for him to get to his brother. The interesting thing that happened in this episode is that they show a flashback to, I don't even know if it counts as a flashback, I guess, because we're always seeing them at different stages of their lives. And we see a scene where he's very little. He's probably like, I don't know, like four, maybe like four years old. And he's, um, he's scared of monsters under his bed. And he tells his father and his father comes to him and uh is like do you think the monsters would be afraid like they're afraid of your dad he's like no it's like okay then i'll stay here with you and he's the dad sleeps there and uh for a little bit and then he gets up leaves wants he wants to watch a movie and then the boy gets up again like little baby like little randall gets up again and the dad tells him listen i need you to do me a favor your brother and sister are already a handful and I need you to be stronger because if the three of you um, are afraid, I don't think I can handle it. So I need you to be strong. Can you be strong for me? And he's mm. like, yeah, yeah, dad. It's like, holy shit. Like oh, you get boy. to see the moment, right? Like they're showing us that this is why he never asks for help. This yeah. is why he's the strong one. You know, he's the one that tries to assume responsibility for everything. And it was that just that comment and his dad was just tired he wanted to watch a movie and he couldn't you know and it was this one of the, just one thing that he said that affected this kid for his entire life and now he's like 40 years old and he still 
holds his feelings and doesn't tell anybody anything and is trying to be strong. Whew, what a show. What a show. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I don't know. I, th- I think the way that they, they handle this stuff is, is great. I haven't seen if he actually asks for help afterwards. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a two-part episode. But that alone, it got me thinking about, you know, like, that's so relatable. You know, and there's, there's sometimes we don't, that moment, right? Like, why are we like that? It, it made me think about um, myself. Like, it's not like I'm, I've started thinking about how I'm or, or what I'm reluctant to ask for help about. But there are things like my father, there have been times when he's been in the hospital and uh, like I call him and he answers the phone and I can kind of tell like there's a weird echo. They're like, dad, where are you? He's like, oh, you know, nowhere, you know, like, mm. like dad, it sounds kind of like, oh yeah, I've been in the hospital for three days. I'm like, damn it. Why what? didn't you tell me? He's like, no, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to worry anybody. And then he used to do this to me as a kid. And I, I do that now. Like I'm, I get super sick and I'll start texting my family. So they, they don't suspect anything. And, but you know, like I won't answer the phone and they'll have no idea that I was, you know, hospitalized or had surgery or, or things like that. And I don't, I don't know why exactly. I mean, I, I think it has to do with like, like my dad does it because he doesn't want to worry anybody. I, I do the same thing. It's not the same as asking for help, but it's one of those things where like, do I do that? Like, did I pick that up from my dad? Did I not? Is there like a particular, is there a better reason than just, I don't want to worry anybody? I don't know. Uh, but it, it got me thinking uh, a lot. And and again, I think that that's, this is a great example of uh, a great conversation starter for asking for help. I think the fact that we see that moment when he's a kid is something that, Sometimes we can't even remember. We can't even pick it out. And and this show is, is able to show us exactly that. So I could imagine, you know, talking to somebody and being like, do you have a moment like that? Do you have a moment like that random moment? Or like, I don't know. I, I imagine that sparks a lot for a lot of people. Yeah. It, like, I'm just explaining it to you guys. Like you haven't seen the scene, but uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I definitely... I I have not watched that show, but I've heard you guys talk about it a lot. And that sounds that sounds like a pretty intense set of scenes that um, I definitely relate to. Um, I mean, obviously not as a a black man and the the aspects of, you know, masculinity and, and strength and asking for help and all of those things that get tied up into masculinity. I I don't have that aspect, but um, I do have. (laughs) i'm sorry i'm sorry i can see the neighbors through the window and he's dancing with his kid but he's going he's going so hard (laughs) i'm sorry i oh fuck oh okay (sighs) love them neighbors oh god he's like he's really i oh geez um i i can't i can't look out the window i can't um blinders i like, do is the kid in danger or, or no they're like... having they're having a great time it's okay, just i'm okay, seeing okay. <laughs> i'm seeing an adult man and and because it's dark outside and he's in his house so he is all i can see is a black window with like the reflection of my room and then this dancing man <laughs> are they making tiktoks i hope so <laughs> okay okay it looks like they're done the song okay. must have ended okay i'm sorry i'm yeah. so sorry that oh um i I do, however, I do really relate to the idea of of uh, things that happened when you were a kid that um, definitely impact the way you make judgment calls in your adulthood about whether or not you should ask for help or whether a situation warrants asking for help. And a lot of the those, you know, uh, maybe subconscious unconscious judgments that you're making about whether or not this thing is bad enough to ask for help or if I you know do I really need help a lot of that is formed on situations from my childhood and um you know you you talked about this this character his dad was just like look I really want to watch a movie but framed it as like hey you're my little superhero buddy you have to be extra strong for daddy because daddy needs a friggin' break. I mean, mm-hmm. you you have to be tough for daddy, otherwise daddy can't do it. And and just framing it in that way. And and for me, I relate to that in I was, you know, told as a kid, like, oh, you know, you're so resilient, like you're so able to get through things. And so that became a part of my identity. And so in my adulthood, 
there are things in which it would be absolutely beneficial for me to reach out for support, but I don't because I'm like, I know I can handle it. I'm very resilient. And it, and those are true. Those are true statements. But I end up hurting myself or putting more stress onto myself than I need to because of that underlying belief about, you know, whether or not I, I should ask for help or if this is something I have to be resilient and face myself and I don't need other people or I like you brought up host way of like, oh, I don't want to worry other people. This isn't a big enough thing to like cause stress to my friends or my family because, you know, everybody's so stressed and I don't want to add to that. So I'll just keep it to myself. And all of those thoughts get tied up into, you know, these belief systems we have about ourselves. And a lot of that comes from from our childhood, from when we're, you know, five, six years old and our tired parents just give a, a throwaway line that sort of impacts our whole idea about herself. <laughs> Oops, sorry, kids. <laughs> Did I say that? What? Huh? Hmm? Huh? You sure? Oops. Sorry, yes. <laughs> uh, it just, it reminds me of, um, speaking of TikTok, uh, there was a TikTok which actually I've seen this other places, but the idea of like your parents always know how to press your buttons because they installed them. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, no, I feel that very deep in my soul. They designed it. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I designed it. <laughs> I'm turning into both of my parents. You just reminded me that my mom always used to say, I am very resilient to pain. Right. And just earlier today, I was telling her about how I was passing a kidney stone. And you're and like, I it's was, fine. And, and I'm literally like, I'm getting to the point where the pain is so intense that I'm throwing up. And, oh my gosh. But I won't take, uh, <laughs> but I, won't I'm not take taking pain, pain medication because, because I'm like my mom. I'm really resilient oh. to pain. Like, why am I suffering like take this? Your like pain pills. Yeah. I know. So, it's so I've, not I've, that big a deal. <laughs> So I'm, I'm, and, and we were both talking about the fact that we had these prescriptions for, um, uh, I think it's tramadol is what it's called, and it's not, it's they're not opioid um, ones. Uh, I want to put that caveat there, <laughs> because, mm-hmm. because I was like, I told her, oh, I had this whole uh, prescription and I haven't used it. I just took regular Tylenol um, when the pain got real bad. I didn't take the the strong stuff. She's like, I do the same thing. I was like, Mom, I'm saving it for when I really need it because I'm pretty resilient. She's like, yeah, that's what I do too. And like we both have like this, again, like I've heard her say it my entire life where she's like, you know, I'm, I'm more resilient to pain than most other people. I don't even, like this isn't healthy behavior. I don't even know why, uh, but it's like I'm doing it I'm pretty sure like I'm saying the exact same words that she says. And I have this like same sense of pride in the fact that I, I only took Tylenol. I didn't take the prescription one because, you know, someday I'll have a real pain. Like I was throwing up. It was so bad. <laughs> the pain. I also hear that passing kidney stones is up there with like childbirth. And I have a friend. Mm-hmm. I have a friend <laughs> who, who uh, she always likes to remind me that she's had a baby and passed kidney stones and the kidney stone was way worse. Yeah, so I think hearing that, that you should let yourself relieve your pain a little bit by taking your medication. Listen, I need I need more time to pro- process this and think about why <laughs> I'm doing this. I'm just bringing it up as an example of like... What, what I'm doing what my mom uh, yeah was, was mm-hmm. it's it, it's interesting because I'm thinking about about it you know in, in that frame like I've I've also have this sort of pride about being like oh yeah I have a pretty high pain tolerance and everything and there there is some some ego wrapped up in that I wonder if it's like mm-hmm. when yeah. you're a kid and you're looking up to your parent and you hear things like oh you know like when you're a kid and you get a scraped knee, you're like, this is the worst thing I've literally ever experienced. Is this pain? And then your parents are like, oh, honey, like, it's fine. I have a high pain tolerance. Like this, you know, I sliced off the end of my fingernail while making you dinner or whatever. It's like, it's not, don't worry. Don't worry about mommy. Mommy is fine. And then you grow up and you're like, I'm going to be tough like my mommy. <laughs> Hell yeah. Pain? I've never heard of her. <laughs> It reminds me. It reminds me of the pain scale. Like when a doctor's like, 
on a scale of zero to 10, like mm-hmm. where, where's your pain? I'm like, my scale has changed tremendously as I've gotten older. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. My 10 is like another person's 20 or 30. Yeah, yeah I, that's exactly. that's why I like when they use the um the faces system instead of the, they're like, do not use numbers. Look at these faces. Mm-hmm. Which face, face reminds you of your face? Yep. <laughs> You're like, it's that one that looks like it's barfing. That's me. (laughs) (laughs) Emoji pain management. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But hearing you talk about it, Lauren, like it's actually, I think it is more similar than what I initially thought of. Like, yeah, I think there's definitely overlap there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I am resilient. Like I don't, I don't need help. I don't, I don't need, I don't need therapy. I don't need, I don't need prescription pain medication. I don't need my parents to check on at me when I'm in the hospital. I'll yeah, just like, tell them when I get home. In the episode uh, of This Is Us, Randall t- responds to the other man and he says, um, I don't I do not do therapy. I run. That's how I, I process mm-hmm. uh, difficult emotions. That's how I censor myself. Which is a valid coping mechanism. Yeah, but it the is guy, not therapy. The guy, <laughs> the guy looks at him and says like, well, it doesn't seem like it's working. <laughs> right. And well, like, huh, what do you do when yeah. your legs are tired? <laughs> yeah. Like, you, just deal, you just deal with it and suffer. No, um, something Lauren said about um, not wanting to burden his. It's not bad enough that I need to burden my family mm-hmm. and affect my family. This character over several episodes in the past, his problem has affected his family and caused them extra like needs like what was it um his brother had to leave his like play or something to come help him with an anxiety attack yeah. um and there's a moment where his daughter uh is dealing with the same anxiety issues and she's like I don't want to be anything like you when he tries to say I'm going through this too you can do this and they're trying to give get her help and she's like no I don't I don't want your help and she's taking on these same kind of things that he's doing yeah um I mean, but just- and his and his wife even says like you should go to therapy and he's like nah I'm good <laughs> I, I really want to emphasize what a good job this show does um, because it has shown in the particular like case of Randall, we see his anxiety play out. Like you just gave all those examples with this family, but we see them like as a kid in school, in mm-hmm. high school, in college. Like, that episode where he gets in trouble in like middle school for wearing the, the shoes he's the not shoes. supposed to and yep. and and Kevin comes to help him. Oh. Yeah. It was the first, his first panic attack was because he wore some Jordans to school to impress uh a teacher. His, yeah, his the only teacher who was black in the school. Yeah, and he like he felt really connected. He was like, "I'm going to do this." And and then when the teacher was like, "That's cool, but you're breaking uh dress code." And you're going to have to change. And that was when he had his first panic attack. He was really small. Like he was in probably it's like elementary sixth grade. school, maybe no, middle it was school. Like, it was middle yeah. school because they've aged those younger kids to like 11 <laughs> or 12 have. now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They haven't swapped those out yet. Like the little ones. Yeah. It's hard to <laughs> portray people over the course of their lives. <laughs> oh, oh, that show does such a good job. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's just the latest example of this, but I think, I think it's something that so many people deal with. I remember, I remember Brandon saying that that was something that uh, I'm pretty sure he brought it up on the show, right? Where he was in rural um, uh, North Dakota, and he dealt with a lot of men who who that was like they were raised in a certain way where they were like, I don't, I don't need help. I'm mm-hmm, not going to therapy. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I don't know. Guess what, guys? Men go to therapy. I see a lot of them. <laughs> what? It's true. It's true. It is true. It is true. I mean, again, he hasn't. I'm assuming that. Uh, well, actually, I'm not going to assume anything. I don't know if he's actually going to end up going to therapy. But uh, this, this, it was it was a really, really good way to show uh, this sort of thing. And again, like I think just asking for help in general is it doesn't have to just be going to therapy. I think, yeah, I think now that I think mm-hmm. about it more, just the, the pain thing and even the, the hospital thing is a, is a good example. The Geek Therapy Network and all of our projects are made possible by the supportive listeners like you. 
You can become a patron for as little as $1 a month and gain access to exclusive content, behind-the-scenes stories, swag, and more. Sign up at any tier and we'll send you a welcome kit in the mail anywhere in the world to celebrate your first month. Thank you so, so much for supporting us. We couldn't do it without you. You can learn more at patreon.com slash geektherapy. It's something we go through all the time. Like, why don't we just ask for help? What's <laughs> Why? I mean, I think there's a lot of different reasons that are probably uh, pretty dynamic to the person. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, if you want to look at it like, real biological is like there's this like you don't want to express weakness because then you might get eaten (laughs) so it's like (laughs) that part of your brain's like don't you know don't limp in front of the big meat eater you're gonna get eaten no limping um but i I mean i i also think it's very much a part of our our culture especially american culture that Mm -hmm. you know Western frontiersmen, do-it-yourself, Oregon Trail, like, we will cock our wagon and ford the river, like, we will do it ourselves. And, like, that is very much baked into our cultural identities. And um, I wonder if in in cultures where there's less focus on, on individuality, if there is less instances of people not wanting to ask for help or if you still see those kinds of behaviors where people maybe you know it just comes down to feeling shame about certain types of help that we need and not wanting to express it out of shame i don't know it's it's uh you know it's it's so it's so ingrained in us that every single time i see a show and i see a lot of like action and martial arts and uh you know high energy (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh shows where somebody is you know in a fight or some sort of battle or or something and and this this type of conversation comes up often where someone says like like there's a there's a mentee talking to a mentor and they're like are you ever afraid and it's like yes that's true courage right like facing your fears and actually you know going through with it when you feel afraid and every time I hear that, it's like I'm hearing it for the first time and it's always <laughs> helpful. I'm like, shit, that's absolutely right. Like why? Like, ah, it's so ingrained <laughs> that I, I need, I need that reminder like three times a day, you know, that like, oh yeah, like the, the, the real brave thing or like the, the actual, like it's being afraid and fighting that fear right and going up against that fear is, is yeah is, is it right is mm-hmm. yeah i've always responded well to the um the game of thrones one between ned and bran very very early on and then bran is still a sweet little little boy and he's just all like dad like ow i'm i'm scared it's like how do you be brave and he's like you can only be brave when you're scared Yes. Like that's the only, that's the only way it works. And I've always taken that as like that kind of courage is like the, the fear is not the main part. It's, it's what, what you do is do you stay still or do you keep moving forward? Yeah. Because even if you, if even if you fucking fail, if you kept moving to me, that's brave as hell. That is fucking courage. Like, thank you. I needed that. Yes. Right. (laughs) And there's different kinds of bravery. There's bravery of being able to try something on your own and try to do it yourself. And then there's bravery about going and asking for help. Yeah. I tell my clients every day, like, you are a brave person for being here. It takes a ton of courage to, like, choose to be vulnerable with somebody like, whew. That's big bravery. That's capital B bravery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a, like the a meta bravery here. Right? It's like, okay, I'm feeling anxious, but then I'm not going to, it's like, I, I need help to actually face that fear. Right. But I'm like, anxious about getting the help. <laughs> exactly. Right. And that's like, mm-hmm. but I'm also afraid of actually going to therapy or asking an adult for help or asking a parent or asking a friend right it doesn't it doesn't just have to be shit i go to target and i refuse to ask anybody where something (laughs) is like that's a thing okay mark you can help me out right (laughs) 
Yeah. Oh. Yeah. No, I, I refuse are... to ask for help in stores. <laughs> you know, that actually reminds me when I brought up that it was uh, definitely an American aspect to it. You just reminded me of like, there's a whole trope about, oh, you know, men never ask for directions. Like, is that not the, like straight up, like, mm-hmm. will not ask for help situation mm-hmm. is like, I'm lost, but I refuse to do anything about that. Or refusing to read the instructions when building something. <laughs> Which yeah. it's not just men. Trust no, me. No, that can be anybody. That, that's a. I mean, the directions thing can be anybody too. But the the point I was making is like there there is a a trope, like a gendered stereotype about that idea of you know people like literally you're going to get some men who are like it is part of my masculinity to not ask for help. Such as the character we we opened with is like that's part of his identity and and tying it further to masculinity because it's through his father it's like yeah that's a that's a lot that's a lot of stuff it's Mm. interesting that this character has um gone that way knowing that his father was an alcoholic and went to aa and got help for his alcoholism (laughs) this is this is another (laughs) great thing about this is us which is that when the show starts their father, Jack, is like the perfect man. Perfect dad. Best the perfect dad, ever. Best husband ever. And then as the show goes on and it continues to change, it actually reminds me of Steven Universe, where the more we learn about Steven's mom, it's like, oh, she did what? Oh, no, well, really? And it's easy to do that when you're talking about a, a parent who has died. We idealize mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, forget all the flaws. Yeah. And yeah. and in This Is Us, it's, uh, it's I don't know, like at, uh, now on Steven Universe, it's gotten to a point where I'm like, oh, no, no more, please, no more. Um, but uh, in the case of This Is Us, like they're really, they're, they're fleshing out Jack's character in a way, right? It's like, oh, like, oh, yeah, parents are important. <laughs> Their mm-hmm. decisions affect us in so many different ways. And we see like his character is more fleshed out than any other, right? Because we see him from different perspectives and at different, we also see him at different points in his life. And yeah, like the way he's handled different things and, and how it's affected the, the kids is, is just, well, again, so great. It's wonderful and hits the nail on the head with like parents and how we idealize them. Mm-hmm. And personally, I still think he's the perfect dad. Like, yeah, he screwed <laughs> yeah, up. That's a great the point. The perfect yeah. dad screws up. The perfect mom screws up. We're all human. And he's able to see when he makes a mistake or someone points it out and try to make a change. Yeah. And, like, I think that that is a great example to show people. Like, yes, the perfect person has flaws. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. There's this, um, I don't know if it really plays into to this topic, but there's as we learn, like one of the things that the show is doing it, it's showing us that Jack wasn't perfect. And like one of his sons is actually like, be, like doing, like fixing some of those mistakes, mm-hmm. you know, like who was uh, another one who was reluctant to get help. Yeah. Yeah. But like, like he already went to therapy, right? Like he went to rehab. He went to the therapist. He's done stuff like, but he fell and off the And then the, the rest of the too. family was like, screw this therapist. <laughs> <laughs> that episode, I talked about that episode on the show uh, because it was, it was really good. Um, that was like two years ago, I guess. But, but the character of Kevin, like he, he's becoming like, like he's trying to be the idealized version of his father, you know, like when he found out that his father did something again, just like Steven, right? It's like, oh, like my mom didn't do this thing. So I'm. I'm going to fix it now. I'm going to do this. Um, I think I've, I've tried more recently to do something similar where it's like my, my dad does this thing where he, I, I said that I like, I'll start texting my family like to, so they, they know I'm okay. I've started doing the opposite of that. Like, because I was like, you know what? Like it bothers me when my dad does it. I'm not going to do that. So now I'm way more open with my, with my family about like, this is going on. Maybe it's nothing. It's okay. <laughs> my, my family's still full of, like, people will call each other and it's like, I'm going through this, but don't tell this one. But, like, then, like, everybody's keeping secrets from each other. Mm-hmm. And I try, I've, I've tried to not do that. I tried to be super open. Also, if they're listening, I want you to know, 
I don't keep the secret. I tell the person anyway. I just tell them not to tell you because I think it's messed up that we're keeping <laughs> secrets. Persuades They're so important. I am. I am. Got the percent Yep. It's better that way because I can't keep track of the secrets anymore. It's like, I mean, I agree two, with you. Two yeah. years later, yeah. I can't remember if I who I promised not to tell. It doesn't matter. I probably told them. I definitely told them. <laughs> and and if you watch soap operas, it all comes to light anyway. Always. <laughs> always. Always. And everyone has a twin. <laughs> everyone has a twin. And nobody dies. Nobody well, they do, but dead. they come back. Nobody stays dead. They all exactly. die. Exactly. <laughs> Sometimes they're switched It's not very sticky. Yeah. It's never sticky. <laughs> I mean, something that you, you mentioned led me on on a different thought is uh, when we're talking about this, this idea of asking for help, it's, it's never really just a single, a single moment. Like there can be one moment, but it's like the idea of like, okay, I'm, I'm, I need help. I am going to therapy now. I did that. That happened to me last year. I was like, I have hit the point where it's like, nope, cannot do this on my own anymore. I need help. I'm going to get help. And I went and I went and got a therapist and I went and I got a psychiatrist and started working with them. But, you know, things changed and I got switched to a different psychiatrist and then that psychiatrist left and then my therapist left and now I'm working with a new one that I haven't met yet, but they still need to give me prescriptions and all of these things. It's like those feelings of resistance of wanting to ask for help. That's not, once you do the first asking for help, that that resistance isn't going to completely disappear. And that's something that I think is important for us to focus on is like, this is a choice we have to keep making and and keep being aware of when, when are we starting to build up those walls again, um, which feel protective, but, and can be protective, but are maybe also sometimes closing us off from what we actually need. And the idea of being able to ask for help, and this is a a situation I've been in, but asking for help, getting to that brave moment of asking for help and then not getting it, Mm -hmm. and then having to find the bravery to do it a second time. Oh, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That is a tough one. Well, and even each moment of deciding to go to an appointment yeah. is like important. Most of <laughs> you get- most of the time if my if someone has dropped off my schedule or like they cancel the the last appointment because it's a time conflict before they're on the and they don't have another thing scheduled for the week next week already and we don't hear from them, like in order to get them back, I have to keep pinging and keep pinging and it's so like it's really hard once mm-hmm. you, you drop off, it's really easy to just be like, okay, I don't need help anymore. <laughs> I guess that was enough help. This help seems <laughs> adequate. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, the, like, that's the argument that a, a lot of people have about, like, hotlines, right? It's like, mm-hmm. that's a, it's like a lot of work to always expect to some, like, expect someone to, to, to reach out and call a hotline. Yeah. Cause yeah. Uh, there is, there is friction, right? Like, you try to reduce as much friction as possible for mm-hmm. someone to get help. And, that's a big gap to to traverse from maybe I need help to picking up the phone and talking to a to a complete stranger. Uh, like I don't know what the answer is, right? Like, I, I, but I but I completely understand that argument. And the reasons why uh, you don't ask for help are, are very different. Like you just gave a, a bunch of good examples, Lauren. And like you mentioned before, oh, like there's this this, this stereotype that men don't ask for directions. Well. I've been in that situation where I don't want to ask for directions and it's never been because I'm too much of a man to do it. It's more, you know, social anxiety. I was like, well, I don't know this person. I don't want to talk to them. Like, I don't want to, mm-hmm. you know, and it, yeah. <laughs> and not like my, my male pride. Uh, and, and there, there are different reasons why I've been reluctant to, to also like go to therapy or go to the mm-hmm. doctor in the past. Yeah. The, the fear wise, right? Like there's like, we live in the United States. There are like, economic reasons why you right. might want to- in a perfect world and everybody could afford all the care and all the help yeah. there would still be people resistant to going and yeah. getting that help with with many for, for many different uh reasons. reasons like like one reason can be like what if like i don't i don't want to know if there's something wrong with me <laughs> like yeah. i'd rather not know i'm too afraid to find out another one is oh maybe somebody will see me um i've been i've been thinking about that lately like when i had uh my my first 
actually both of my private practices in uh, I had two different offices uh, in North Carolina. Like it didn't say counseling center here with like arrows and like come to therapy. <laughs> mm-hmm. But lately uh, here here in Puerto Rico, I've seen a whole bunch of places where it's like they have a sign out front, like a huge sign. It's like a restaurant on one, in right next to the restaurant. They have the same type of sign as the restaurant. <laughs> and it says like I love clinical, <laughs> clinical psychologist, doctor, blah, 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 blah. And I remember I had the shades drawn in my, in my office because if people were in the waiting room, we didn't want people to like walk by and see like, oh, these people are waiting to see their therapist. And that, like, yeah, that's, that's a fear. Interesting. You know? That's yeah. something that we have to address at my clinic. It's a pretty large clinic. We have seven practitioners that have people come in in the waiting room at the same time yeah. every hour. Yeah. Uh, and I wonder how comfortable or uncomfortable people are. I know that when we call, we just use a one word uh, thing for our clinic rather than saying something, something mental health. Yeah, um, yeah. And it, and all of our signage outside and on the wall, it just says the word, not the mental health part. Um, I mean, like some of that is like straight up HIPAA and privacy stuff, the phone stuff, right, like there's, there's right. protocols. But some of it is also like, please don't let my, you know, my family know that I'm going to therapy. So if you call, you know, like your Domino's yeah, pizza yeah, or yeah. something, you know, like, like say- <laughs> yeah. Wait, like, you called me. <laughs> <laughs> but like on the signage outside, that was really smart of them to just have the one word instead of saying like, this is a mental health clinic. Like, yeah. 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 Because hmm. we're the only mental health in the building. There's like a dialysis center and a dentist and a plastic surgeon. Yeah. So like, like there's a... Like ideally... You could be going to anybody there. Like ideally... I mean, I hope we one day we live in a world where like you go to see your therapist and you come out with a I just saw my therapist sticker like when you went to like when you go vote <laughs> like <right>? I voted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see I'm picturing like I'm like is it, maybe this says more about me and my enjoyment of absurdism but I'm like I'm picturing like strip malls with like the eights uh dry cleaners and the liquor store and then the therapist's office and then like a, a an apple uh, screen cracked screen phone screen store and yeah. it's just like yeah I, that's I, my I, therapist's office I, dro- I dropped off my dry cleaning <laughs> and then I got my brain steamed and I'm having a great day I'm gonna it's pick like, up a Jamba Juice you want that, one? that's my therapist's office I go that's, to Starbucks I go to therapy oh, I, I go to Walgreens <laughs> So my, I like my the therapist idea. is I like, is in a hospital like building, so it feels very clinical. I have to walk past the lab, so it, and there it is, is not an as enjoyable. Repair, there is an iPhone <laughs> repair shop right across the hall from my therapist. Oh my gosh, perfection! I saw I saw it in my brain from mm-hmm. your brain. It was mm-hmm. beautiful. There's an Indian restaurant downstairs, so his Ooh, office yum. smells like uh, Indian food, which I cannot eat because of spiciness, but smells delicious. Mm. <laughs> Just like if you come to therapy four times in a row without rescheduling, I will get you garlic naan from downstairs. I'm like, I'm in. I'm in. You got me. Uh, uh, yes. I will be there, doctor. I like this. The, the Indian place has coupon for the therapist and the iPhone repair shop. Yes. It's like- <laughs> oh, that would be that would be amazing. Hey, you know, Synergy. you look a little bit sad from breaking your phone. Do you do you want this fifteen percent off coupon for our therapy office across the street? Hmm. See, Josue, is, when is we eventually start our when we start our comic book therapy office business someday, ever we got to think about these things. Yeah, yeah. But I, again, I'm 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 on this Indian restaurant thing. I like it's like is it indigestion or is it anxiety? Here, here's the part <laughs> for the one upstairs. <laughs> oh man, yep. No, this is this is good stuff. <laughs> Again, I, TV shows, movies, makes it. I mean, there's so many examples of uh, of these things that we're talking about, and seeing different reasons why people. Like, I can imagine again going back on that stereotype of the the man who who doesn't I ask for directions. A little bit regret bringing that up because no, no. I don't actually believe that that's true at all. It was it's just, just a like stereotype. it was but just yes. a cultural stereotype of like specifically Americans that popped up in my head. No, no, <laughs> I'm I so think, sorry. I, I'm picturing I, every TV show where the wife is in the passenger seat and the husband's driving and she's got a map and he's like, I don't need that. 
Yeah. Well, but but I think I think it's I think it's more accurate than you. <laughs> I think it's more real and more prevalent than than you're letting on. I think it's it's a it's a stereotype for a reason, and I think a lot of it uh, may be like maybe maybe it's not just the maps, right? But there's a lot of stuff that many men are, are reluctant to do because of you know because because they're mm-hmm. manly men, and. And every time a TV show shows a strong male character who asks for help, like I always mm-hmm. think, like, oh yes, thank you, or like showing a different reason why, right? It's like, uh, and there are so many of those on This Is Us, and I yeah. love it. Yeah, like yeah. I think every man on the show has asked for help. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And like, mm-hmm. like Randall is like, like he's buff. He's like real fit. He's a now he's like a politician and you know he's got a real deep voice you know it's like he's he's like he's sterling k brown like fucking sterling k brown yeah yeah <laughs> right and the fact that like he's he's dealing with this constantly i think again i think it's i think it's fantastic i think it's really good i think it's also again i have not seen this is us so i'm i'm only picking this up from what you guys are describing to me of the show but it does sound like they are giving us extra context of these other people that you know character a asks character b for help and we know more information about character b or whatever but um the idea of of asking for help from somebody and recognizing that everybody needs help sometimes and so like learning to ask the right person for help and recognizing that even if they are the right person it might not be the right time for them to give you help and how how tricky and how much of an an emotional like balance act that is to try and figure out that stuff i think we would benefit more from having those kinds of stories in our media of showing people asking other people for help and them asking other people for help and sort of showing how it's never just, we get all these stories about the hero and it's like the hero who does all of the stuff. And and occasionally they have like their sidekick friends who help them. But really in real life, we all have lots and lots and lots of people, an interconnected web of social connections who are all trying to help each other and feed each other. And um, I think it would be really beneficial if we got more stories that that lifted that aspect up, that we we really do need each other in that way. And, and that it's actually kind of a special thing about us. I really like a lot of my procedurals because they have that kind of like, there's some resistance usually because apparently doctors and firefighters and cops are the worst people to ask for help because they're constantly helping people and they think they have to be the helper. This is Uh, true. Yeah. This is true. Um, But there's a lot of different levels of help. Like some people realize, okay, I need to go to um, Grey's Anatomy. A character had recently had to go to an inpatient, um, hospitalization for mental health and was resistant in the in the program but was there um plenty of times they're asking their boss for help uh their friends for help and leaning on each other um one of the things i loved about the early Grey's anatomy episodes is christina and meredith would dance it out like they're stressed out they dance it out together um to Tegan and Sarah, and it's the best. Uh, but like all these shows that show strong men, strong women uh, asking for help from different people for different things, and ex- and struggling to accept it, but accepting it. Um, yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, the helping the helpers. Um, I, th- I think we. The closest thing we've ever gotten to hate mail was from the Heroes in Crisis episode that we did, mm-hmm. <laughs> because a lot of people hate uh, Heroes in Crisis. Um, but like, I I love the fact that that was a version of that, right? Of the of helpers. helping the helpers. Yeah, and there's that moment when Batman admits that even he's used it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like he is the last person that you would think who who would would use it uh who would, who would have used um basically they're going to therapy right yeah <laughs> and yeah. The, the, it's a it's a superhero uh therapy clinic and when superman's like 
I think it was Wonder Woman. It's like, come on, shut up. We know you hacked this thing. And you're like, no. He's like, no, no, I haven't because I've used it. And it's like, damn. And I mean, mm-hmm. last year, I should have definitely gone to therapy. I was stupid and I was like, this is this depression will pass. It's fine. I know what I'm, I know what's going on. And it wasn't until I got out of it, like, like that I felt better. Not that I got out of it, but like that I started feeling better that I was like, holy shit, I felt really, really bad. And I was really stupid. And I should have, I should have definitely uh, gotten some help because that was, that was not good. But it's also, yeah. it's so hard. Oh, I love, um, I love Depression Quest for this reason. Uh, Depression Quest, it's a, it's a game. It's a, it's a simulation of what it's, what it might feel like to have depression. And the best mechanic that, that, that the game has is that you have all of these options, right? Like, uh, you see, like find a therapist or call your best friend for support and you see these options, but they're unavailable to you. Because, because you're so fucking depressed. Yep. You're so fucking depressed. It's like you see it, but it's like it's dull and you can't actually click on it. You can't click on it. And the idea is it's like like I just lived through that again last year. Again. Mm-hmm. This is not the first time. <laughs> right. I need to get better yeah. about like like you said, like there's a time. Right. And and I know you meant like sometimes it's it's too hard for you at this moment and maybe you need to do it later and seeing different ways. But there's definitely like in a, in a an appropriate moment, and I think that seeing those stories and talking about the stories over and over again, like even me, like I, I think about this shit all the time, and it still got me where I was like, damn it, I missed that window where it would have been really <laughs> smart to just go to therapy when I was like ready to go to therapy, not when I was yeah. so depressed. I and, think, and, and, I I'm, think... and I'm pretty good at hiding it too, you know. So it's not like I'm yeah. surrounded by people who would be like. You probably need help. I remember ab- about a year ago, I had a friend, and I, I, I was talking to him. I was like, like I was, I was trying to be the friend that, uh, that I always wish I have. Right? It's like, it's like, you seem like you seem. Are you depressed? Like you know, just use the words. Like are you are you going through 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 like a really tough time? Like do you need to find help? And I remember my friend was uh, very adamant about how he he was not depressed, and that's not at all what was happening. It was kind of aggressive, and maybe I was wrong. You know, maybe I was wrong. But I'm glad that I asked the question because if you don't bring it up, if you don't talk about it, if you don't see examples of it. You forget. It's like the. It's like the. You know. You can only be uh, brave if you're afraid. Thing. It's like you. You need reminders of these things because they don't come up all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 We. I think we as humans all tend to have uh, a little bit of a tendency to to be the um, the slow boiled frog. <laughs> But we we're the frog, and also we're the boiling water, <laughs> mm-hmm. and we do it to ourselves a little bit. Um, but yeah, I definitely I definitely relate to that Husway of of sometimes getting getting past it and realizing like wow that that was the time that I should have been asking for help. Yeah. But that that's <laughs> some of the hardest times. Yeah, to I do mean it. that that's also. I don't want to make it seem like that's bad. I think that that's great. I think having that sort of self-reflection moment is a sign of of a huge amount of growth of being able to recognize that like, wow, I that was it. That's when I should have asked for help because that'll help yeah. you hopefully in the future, perhaps be a tiny little bit faster at being like, is this the time I ask? I think this is the time I, I'm going to ask for help. I'm just going to do it. Yeah, I remember when I was I was 12 and I had been diagnosed with diabetes. I was in the ICU and a social worker came by because in my chart it said my mom had passed away the year before and now I'm in the hospital with a chronic disease. And she asked if I wanted to to get some help and get some therapy and I said, "No, I'm okay." And like How old were you? I, I was 12. <laughs> 12. And like <laughs> and and I said, "No, I'm okay." And then my family, nobody pushed it. We None of us really pushed anybody with going to doctors and things like that. Maybe we should have. Uh, looking back in hindsight, maybe we should have been less averse to going and getting help. This is uh, why you're a therapist now. This is why I'm... Well, part of it, yes. Part of it, yes. Um, but I didn't go to therapy until I was 24. Yeah. Um, and I, I've had conversations with family members now... And they've been like, yeah, we were a little worried about you. And I'm like, why didn't you say anything? 
And yeah. and I get it. If they had said something, it might have hurt my feelings. I might have been more resistant. Um, and I didn't. A breakup of all things was what pushed me to end up getting help because all my friends around me were like, "You need to talk to somebody. This is not okay." Yeah. And. I was showing signs of that before the relationship even started, but it was like the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm-hmm. And now I've been in therapy since, and it's wonderful. And now I'm a therapist, and it's wonderful. <laughs> this is this is what I think is one of the the key things about this idea of media helping us get to those points, right? Helping us understand ourselves. Because maybe you have those friends who notice that you seem different and can 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 help can suggest help in that moment right but i think that it's regardless right it's only going to work if you agree <laughs> because if you disagree you're not going to go help you're not going to go get help and i think that seeing yourself in those moments right like if i see randall and i'm like shit that's me like that's when it clicks and that's where i think it's so that's why it's so valuable, right? That we see these things happen over and over again in different in different types of shows, different mm-hmm. times, catch us by surprise because it's like, oh, 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 I'm Randall right now. Got it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Nope. I should go. Yeah. I disagree with Randall. I disagree with me. Let me pick up the phone. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Geek therapy, y'all. Geek so good. therapy. Geek therapy. Damn. This is a good conversation. Heck Yeah. I think mm-hmm. I, I, I like it. I'm a fan of this show, by the way. I'm a fan of all of you. I'm a fan of, I'm a fan of what we're doing. Great topic choice, Josue. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. So, Lara is, um, you don't have to uh, decide now, but like, you know, like it's your turn next week. And right. then Lauren, I've you're already, up. I've already got an idea, and I think it's going to be a good segue from this week. Awesome. And Lauren, you're up in two weeks. Cool. I'll probably procrastinate. (laughs) (laughs) Just accountability, calling you out. We'll continue to remind you. Good. Excellent. (laughs) Also, I have three weeks to prepare. Feels good. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, yeah, please, uh, if you have any specific examples, anything that you were reminded of or personal examples of uh, asking for help, other media examples that might be super helpful, please share them with us. Uh, the best place to do that is on the GT forum. Uh, there's a link to this episode's post on the forum in the show notes, uh, but also bring it up on the discord. Tell us on Twitter, uh, any way you want to um, communicate to us, let us know. Also, if you have suggestions for uh, us for future episodes, definitely use the question queue. It's good for questions or suggestions at com slash QQ. We like answering your questions. Mm-hmm. It's and, been a very uh, long time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, find more Geek Therapy at geektherapy.com. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to geek out and do good. And we will be back next week. Bye. This episode was brought to you in part by our Patreon supporters. We'd like to say a very special thank you to our supporters at the evangelist level and above, including Mark, Booney, Lydia, Jamila, Adam, Doe, Gay, Pat, and Joe Lynn. To learn more about how to support Geek Therapy and gain access to exclusive content, visit patreon.com slash geektherapy. 